This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 187. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and today I am joined also by Jacob Paulson. I'm here. Thanks, Riley. I <laughs> uh, hope you had a wonderful New Year's um, holiday. Yeah, I did. Hope you did too. It was hectic and crazy. I'm over here in Idaho visiting family, and uh, yeah. Chaos didn't, would be didn't one have to word. build another uh, roof, did you? No, no, I didn't build any roofs this time. But uh, it was chaos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As it usually is, but it's been good. So today's episode is our usual news episode of the podcast. Today we've got a whole bunch of, uh, well, new guns uh, that have been introduced to the market or announced at least. Uh, some of these I'm sure will be first really truly debuted or shown off at uh, shot show coming up in just a few weeks uh so but stay tuned some of these i think you'll be pretty interested in uh, hearing about some of these new guns also denver looks at banning bump stocks uh next on the line to uh, consider that type of legislation we'll talk about that as well as new laws that have now officially gone into effect in california as of the first of the year that you're going to want to really be on top of or you might be wondering about if you're in california or planning to move to or visit california anytime soon because this definitely changes the game for gun owners in california plus a really interesting story i think about the disturbing reality of knife crime in London and a video is part of this. So you'll want to go check out that video as part of our show notes in today's episode. Uh, as we always have these, uh, news stories and links in the show notes of each week's episode. Now we're not doing today's episode on Facebook live. Uh, I didn't think that that would work out well with where I'm at, uh, in, uh, in Idaho, <laughs> not the greatest, uh, not the most solid internet connection. Uh, I'm afraid, but, uh, but we're here and we're doing this, so, Jacob, let's get started. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Guardian Nation. We hope that you'll check out Guardian Nation and all of its many wonderful benefits that are available to its members at guardiannation.com. And also Glock eTrainer, which is a nifty little dry fire training tool. Mm. You'll want to check out at glockeTrainer.com. Jacob, you want to add to that? You know, um, yeah, I love I love the Glocky trainer. I'm a big fan. I think that too often we get stuck in these you know ruts as far as dry fire practice goes. You kind of do the same thing all the time, and you know it's great that it's convenient and you kind of got your favorite thing to do at the house, you know, for some training. But you really need some diversity, right? You need to do lots, just like we train lots of different things at the range. You need to do lots of different things in your dry fire practice. So Glocky Trainer is one of many tools that allows you to do something slightly different that will improve very specific skills which need improvement. Uh, And very specifically, I'll say it's all about isolating trigger mechanics. So yes, get one. If you have a Glock, good for you. You can get a Glocky Trainer. Awesome. Cool. Check it out. GuardianNation.com and GlockEtrainer.com. And so with that, uh, we'll get into these news stories for today. And first up, this first one I mentioned is uh, the disturbing reality of knife crime in London. And this came to my attention on my Facebook feed. This is actually posted by BBC News. And it's a 
kind of a little documentary. It's about six or seven minutes long. It's just a little video highlighting knife crime. And specifically, I think just in general, violent crime in London or in England, because it actually talks about uh, England and Wales uh, being part included in some of these statistics. And uh, I mean, knives are a huge part of this. And it's interesting to me, Jacob, because, you know, you're in a country where guns are almost, you know, they're virtually outlawed, especially anything that you might use for self-defense. And you might, you'd likely get in trouble for using a gun in self-defense, even if you were legally possessing that gun, right? And so what do you have? You have basically knife crime. And by the way, this, I, I don't know if we can pinpoint why this sudden change in the st- statistics there, because certainly handguns and things have been outlawed in the UK for a lot of years now. But if you watch this video, one of the first things that jumps out at you is that in the last year alone, knife crimes in the UK or in London, actually it said specifically London, has increased by 36%. That is not insignificant. No, no, it's not. You know, this is this one of those interesting things where, you know, it's easy for us gun rights advocates to say, hey, you know, if you get rid of guns, then people just find other ways to hurt each other. That's totally true. Like, I, I think it's pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward and obvious. I don't think we're making that up. But to that, you know, the the gun control supporters would say, yeah, but they can hurt less people with knives than they could with guns. And to that, I say, well, that, that's possibly true also. But, but the problem here is whatever, whatever you want to do in that regard, you know, that we can argue over guns versus knives or things. But at the end of the day, kind of the point is this, that the, the citizen should have a right to defend themselves against whatever's on the street. And, and that's what I think is interesting here is that knives, unfortunately, unlike guns, are not a great, great equalizer. You can't have citizens carry around knives and, and just, you know, stab people back. Uh, guns are phenomenal equalizers when you're trained and you know how to use it. But knives require, you know, I mean, like there's a, in this documentary you were mentioning, this little, I don't documentary is the wrong word. It's really a news story. But anyway, there's a, they, they live, like almost an accident. The news reporter catches this lady in a wheelchair uh, being mugged. And I think to myself, you know, what, what is she expected to do? Carry on a knife, you know, like slash back at the robber. Like that's ridiculous. And that's, that's why we talk about guns as the great equalizer. But yeah, at, at the end of the day, you know, evil people do evil things and crime's not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, you know, so I said documentary, like a mini documentary, because it, it kind of t- has that feel to it me, does. you know, sure. it, it, it's sort of trying to dig in, you know, go on the inside, if you will, uh, go on the streets and look at what's actually going on on the streets and in people's lives in some of these areas of London, you know, right there, they catch on camera, uh, the moment where a man is robbed of his uh, motorcycle, he is a delivery driver, which a common mode of, of uh, delivering things in, in, in London in particular is via motorcycle. That's his livelihood. And he is stripped of his motorcycle, his phone, and his cash, like 2,500 pounds, which would be, you know, pretty substantial sum in, in, in dollars, $3,200 or so, I would, I would guess. I haven't looked at exchange rates lately, but that's, it's a, it's a chunk of change, right? They catch that on camera. Five guys on motorcycles and mopeds that come up behind him and then hold him at knife pipe, knife point, and take his stuff. And then another instant instance where a woman in a wheelchair apparently is mugged, 
and she's bleeding and stuff like she's been sliced or stabbed or something and it's just crazy that they're right there they're they're interviewing talking with people and some of these things happen right in front of the cameras um yeah you know I echo kind of what you said, Jacob, in that you said it's it's so easy for us to go, well, this is what happens when you just get rid of all the guns. Um, it, it is a more complex issue than that, but you're right in that you're absolutely, I mean, 100% correct that it's fascinating to me that we have countries in this world where self-defense is not a value, it's not an individual right. And, you know, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, too, where I, I've said it, it's, you know, we should be more focused on this idea that, in you know, individuals have a right to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And if they have that fundamental right, then they should be able to use whatever tool that they are legally able to possess that is efficient and, uh, you know, makes it easy for them to actually effectively defend themselves. Now, here in the U.S., we have a Second Amendment, which says, you know, we have the right to keep and bear arms. And thus, the, the tool, I think, and I do think the most effective and efficient tool for an individual that is a law-abiding citizen would be a firearm. But in the U.K., we've record, re- reported about how, uh, you know, what, what the uh, U.K. police has actually stated is recommended for self-defense tool is like a rape alarm. And that's ridiculous. You can't have pepper spray, you can't have a taser, you can't have a knife, you can't have a gun, but you can have a rape alarm. And the result is that clearly these these criminals are becoming emboldened. They're not afraid to go right out and hold people up. You know, and, and knives are so easy to I mean, like you can't outlaw knives, right? No, <laughs> you just can't. Right. people have them in their kitchens, right? So, and, and like, there's a couple of knives that you see on that little news story that you're like, whoa, that that sounded like a crocodile Dundee movie. But but the vast majority of the knives are you know they're from someone's kitchen. Yep. Uh, you know, yeah, you you can't outlaw that. I mean, here, here's the inherent problem, right? If you are going to make it illegal for the citizen to carry the tool that's necessary in order to defend themselves, then as a governing body, you then have to be able to defend the citizen, and that's. Yep just as impossible. I mean, you can't have cops everywhere always. That's not going to happen. And and so, you know, we can race to the bottom of the tool, but to your point, we're not getting rid of knives. You, you, we're not going to make those illegal. Uh, you know, we're not going to start chaining them down to kitchen counters and houses. I mean, let's, you know, let's not be stupid. So, so with all <laughs> that in, in mind, if we, you know, we're not going to get rid of knives, knives are going to be out there, then the citizen has got to be able to defend themselves or the government has to do it for them. And, and that's, that's just as ludicrous. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And, and actually, you know, the, the ironic thing here to what you just said, Jacob, is that knives are already illegal in the UK for, for you to carry on your person. And so that law has <laughs> already been passed. And clearly, that law is not working. Clearly. <laughs> Because the only people that it's stopping are the law-abiding ones. Speaking of which, we have our first justified story, which we'll talk about today, is about another jurisdiction that has a very similar approach, I think, in that it tries to make illegal the possession of many sorts of items and makes it very difficult for people to defend themselves. And I'm very much looking forward to getting to that justified story because we see where an individual likely saves their life, but yet they may still face charges. Next story, a bunch of, uh, like I said, we have a lot of 
new gun products hitting hitting the market or being announced here very very soon. And uh, some of these were rumored about for some time. Uh, here we go. Glock debuts the fifth generation Glock 26 and Glock 34 pistols. Uh, and specifically, we got so we got a Glock 26. Typical 26 comes with many of the same upgrades or whatever, however you want to think of it, as the uh, Gen 5, Glock 17, and 19 that has already been released and is in stores right now. It's got the uh, beveled uh, or rounded front, you know, uh, uh, corners of the slide. It's got the improved uh, accuracy and a little bit better barrel. Uh, it's got the ambidextrous slide stop and... Uh, but the one thing that Glock 26 Gen 5 doesn't have, Jacob, I thought was interesting. It doesn't come with the, and it may not be as critical on this particular gun, where it's really intended for, you know, probably more like deep concealment. But it doesn't have the flared magwell that the Gen 5 Glocks uh, 17 and 19 have. But it likely will have a very similar trigger, which I do think is a vastly improved trigger over the earlier generations of Glocks. And then we've got the uh, Glock 34 Gen 5 which is also an MOS configuration. So it's already set up for you to be able to put a red dot uh, on the on the slide. So, And it, of course, comes also with the uh, flared magwell and all the other same features that are featured on the Gen 5s. Yeah, I don't know that I have a ton to add. Um, you know, I think <laughs> I'll never forget. I'll never forget our experience last year at SHOT Show 2017 when we went up to the Glock booth and um, we asked to talk to the uh, the person in charge of, of of PR and media stuff, and she came out and we said, "Hey, you got anything new this year?" And she said, "Quote: No, we're just sticking to perfection. Nothing new." <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, I, I'd like to think that. that you know, our you know, coming to them and saying. Well, hey, come on now. Uh, maybe inspired them to get some new stuff out there. <laughs> maybe I, mean, I just thought that was so hilarious. And so now, anytime Glock does anything, I think, wait, I thought it was already perfect. Um, so anyway, I, I am glad to see that they are actually still doing some innovating. And I think that there's a lot of people out there who like the subtleties of the Gen fives, and so the Glock 26 is a very popular pistol, and the, the, the Glock 34, you know, is, is becoming very popular as well. So awesome. Okay. Yeah, and I failed to mention the removal of the uh, uh, finger grooves. Mm -hmm. The one thing I did not like, and it didn't bother me as much on the Glock 17 as it did the Glock 19, is that little notch they've got cut out in the bottom of the front strap of the grip. That on the 19, it, my pinky finger goes right into that notch and it sort of pinches it. And that kind of bothered me. And I, I can't tell from the images whether the Glock 26 has that same. And really it what it is like it is... It doesn't look like it has it. That's true. But I, I'm, I'm guessing the Glock 34 maybe has it. We, we can't tell from the images that we're, that we're seeing here. But uh, but that, that kind of bothered me. And I think what that is, is intended for you to be able to reach in there if you had to, if, if the magazine didn't drop free upon release, reach in there and strip it out with your finger. But I didn't like the ergonomics of that as far as what it did to your grip. Now, Jacob, why don't you talk about the other new uh, pistol that Glock uh, just, just announced? Yeah, yeah. So the Glock 19X. I think if you put X at the end of anything, it makes it sound cool and modern. And then you got to have a really cool logo, you know, oh, depicting totally. the X. Yeah, like X is for like extreme maybe or, you know, like we should we should rebrand the Concealed Carry Podcast X. 
<laughs> you know? Well, and you've got Springfield Armory XD Extreme Duty. When they first oh, yeah. came out, they made a big deal about that. Yeah. yeah anyway, what's, what's the what's the 19X? So the Glock 19X. All right. So here's the short deal. So most of us are very familiar with Glock 19 and Glock, and Glock 17. Uh, Glock 19 and Glock 17, probably the, the, yeah, I don't know, but I would imagine they're probably the top selling uh, pistols uh, from Glock. And uh, they're both nine millimeter handguns. And the Glock 17 is, is a full size. And the Glock 19 is a slightly smaller size uh, gun. And they're comparable in some ways, uh, but the, the Glock 19's got a little bit of a shorter grip profile, uh, obviously, so it's a little bit more concealable. And so the Glock 19X is essentially a hybrid. And it's not that complicated to explain, frankly. I mean, if you if you really want to understand kind of the, the gist here, what you have is you take the uh, Glock... 17 frame and you put on the Glock 19 slide upper right. if you want and poof you have the 19x now <laughs> it's really funny because we were talking about this this morning in, your, in our meeting and I, I I didn't I didn't really put any analysis into the thought I was just like yeah that's that's what you have going on here and you said something that just darn near cracked me up you said yeah um I don't get it I think you said, why did they do this? I don't understand what the purpose was. Uh, I mean, the, the reverse would have made more sense. And I agree with you, right? If we had taken the Glock 19 frame, the smaller frame, which is more concealable, and put the Glock 17 slide on it, that would have made a lot of sense. I'd have been, I could see some practical application, you know, for that in, in the in the family, right? But but the 19X is this awkward kind of weird different thing. And obviously, this must be, you know, what the army wanted, right? Yeah. I, I well... <laughs> Man. I guess, well, right? So I guess it wasn't exactly <laughs> what they wanted, but... <laughs> you know, so this is interesting. If you read from Glock's uh, uh, press release, it says that this combines the best features of two of its most popular and most trusted field-tested platforms. The full-size frame and the compact slide have joined forces to produce the ideal pistol for all conditions and all situations. I'm not sure what about the compact slide and the full size frame makes it the ideal pistol for all conditions and all situations. But <laughs> you know, so cause here's, here's where I'm struggling with it. Jacob is I, I get that this, this, this is the gun that was inspired by this, that by Glock's submission to the U S army for the, the MHS contract, which they lost. And many people were upset about that. Uh, cause they, you know, and certainly the, the Glock fanboys, uh, you know, and I, by the way, I love Glock. I have a number of Glocks and I, geez, I, I'm carrying a Glock right now, but you know, they, they about, lo- they, they about lost their head when they learned that Glock lost that contract and SIG got it with the 320. And now the, this Glock pistol, I'm sure what was submitted to the U S army was a, a fantastic pistol. I mean, any Glock handgun, in my opinion, is a great pistol, but it did lose on the competition. All right. And that's just, that's, that's the result of it. That's the end of it. And so they took that gun, took away the manual safety because that was a requirement by the U S army, I, I guess. Yeah, it was because the P320, they had to add that on as well. They took away that manual safety and they released, bam, the 19 X. So it's a coyote frame and coyote slide colored Glock 19 with a elongated grip. What are you going to do with this gun, Jacob? I mean, it, it, no idea. it's kind of, you know, like, it, it, I mean, some guys, yes, can carry this concealed with that full length grip. But then why wouldn't you just some carry guys, a, Glock, a Glock 17? Yeah, exactly. 
Well, that shorter slide maybe helps a little bit, I guess. Uh, but then, okay, so then you kind of have like a duty pistol or combat pistol, but you have a shorter slide, shorter barrel, shorter sight radius. It, uh, you know, I just, I, I think who's going to buy this are going to be Glock fanboys that think anything military or military contract inspired is awesome. And that's fine. That's cool. You know, it's probably, like I said, I'm sure it's a great gun. And I don't mind shooting my my Glock 19. It's pretty darn accurate. It's it's a good shooter. And I'm sure that's going to be a great shooter. But I'd still rather probably just go with my Glock 17 or even a 34 if I was looking for a full-size frame. So, yep. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yep. That's okay. And, I, you know, I am a Glock fanboy. Maybe I'll buy it. But, uh, yeah, I, I certainly don't don't understand you know, where it fits in my collection of useful guns. Right. Right. U- utility is important to me. And this one is not any more util, you know, more useful than a standard 17, in my opinion. Oh, well, pretty interesting though, to see, I mean, at least Glock, you know, in the last, since that shot show where we went to them and said, you guys got anything new? They're like, no, you got anything new coming. Yeah. We're just pursuing perfection or we're, we're sticking with perfection or whatever it was. Right. And since then we've had the gen five Glock 19, 17. Now the, uh, Glock 19 X and the gen fives, uh, for, for the uh, Glock 34 and 26. So, well, at least there's that. All right. Here's another new gun from Springfield armory. And this one is called the nine one one or nine 11. We'll stick with 911. That sounds a little bit more appropriate. Yeah. But but this is kind of interesting to me because you name a gun the 911. Um, okay. All right. So I guess the the goal or the intent is that we want this to uh, – this this is our emergency gun, I guess. I mean, you, you hear 911 and that's what you think, right? Uh, emergency sure. situation, emergency phone call, whatever. All right. Well, we've got the Springfield 911. It is a 380 auto, and it is very similar in style, looks, and size and design to the Sig P238. Very similar, and that, that's basically that, what it is. That's not the only with, one. There's some other ones out there that I would also call comparable. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, for sure. I mean, but it, it is a micro uh, 1911 in 380 caliber. Totally. Um, yep. So you know what? It's probably going to be a big hit, especially for the Springfield Armory fanboys and gals, um, you know, which there are many of those as well. And so they'll go and they'll probably sell a buttload of them. Yeah. And I'd like to think that they're probably going to release something similar to the Sig 938. At least I think they should. If they're going to go down this road, then they should probably release a, a direct competitor to the 938. Yeah. So a nine millimeter. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and they probably will. And it's sort of a why not uh, kind of thing. And it looks like a really good gun, frankly. Yeah, it, I mean, it does look good. It's got the kind of XD style mm-hmm. uh, uh, grip serrations on the slide. Uh, it's got G10 grips, really, really attractive looking grips there. The trigger, by the way, I was looking at this and it looks to me like that trigger. I mean, it, it is a 1911 style. Looks like it's a straight back pull mm-hmm. trigger. We have a manual safety, of course, as well. The trigger looks polymer to me plastic is, is that kind of what it looks like to you yes sure i mean it doesn't look like i mean unless it's uh well, maybe i don't know it's hard to tell from these images 
I, that just that was one thing I, it kind of stood out to me, and I thought that trigger looks a little odd. It doesn't look like a steel or metal trigger to me. Sure, whatever, sure. it's cool. And of course, recently Springfield also announced another new gun, uh, which was it, and it got everybody super excited because they kind of teased this this release, and people you know folks were thinking it was a ten millimeter XD or XDM, and instead they came out with the New 10 millimeter TRP operator, uh, five inch barreled model and a six inch barreled model. So, folks have been kind of talking about is the 10 millimeter making a comeback? Maybe. I mean, there's definitely being a lot of new, there's a lot of new products that are starting to be announced. We've seen some other products teased for some other manufacturers in the 10 millimeter caliber, and it's becoming a kind of a, a bigger deal for folks to go hunt deer and things and pigs with, uh, 10 mm so anyway springfield's also busy releasing a bunch of new products and they've teased that there's going to be other new things at shot show or between now and then so we'll keep you apprised on that as things continue to uh develop yeah tis tis the season for gun announcements you know as as these companies want to maximize the potential exposure they can get coming you know coming up on uh, shot show when when all the media professionals are going to be there to snap the pictures and report on it all right, another new gun, and this one from another major manufacturer, Ruger, and they announced a new 9mm carbine rifle, and they're calling this the PC Carbine. Super clever, because I'm guessing PC stands for Pistol Caliber Carbine. That's a fair <laughs> assumption, yeah. Why, why, why get complicated, right? Make it easy to remember. Well, they, they, it's funny to me, because it this, this name of this rifle or carbine, excuse me, uh, is almost like they own the term PC carbine or pistol caliber carbine. Uh, PCC is pistol caliber carbine. Uh, anything that shoots, uh, you know, any of those pistol calibers and nine millimeters, very popular choice, 45 sometimes in a, you know, carbine length rifle type setup that is a PCC. And so they have released, it, to me, it looks like a Ruger 1022 blown up, a little bit in proportion, especially on the barrel, you know, diameter of that, the the caliber and so forth. It's got a larger magwell and a larger bolt and things. So it's like it's like a 1022 rifle blown up to become a nine millimeter firing carbine rifle. There you go. Yeah, and stick a rail on top while you're at it. Yeah, for optics, of course. So yeah, it's it's a little bit bizarre looking. It's it's like they definitely did not want to make this. This would never, ever be on CNN as a scary assault rifle, I can tell you that. Oh, I, I wouldn't put that past them. <laughs> <laughs> they have much better options of things that look scary than, than this it's one. It's black, it looks, Jacob. It's black. That's all it needs to be. It is, it is black, but it, it looks too much like a hunting <laughs> rifle. You know, It's, it's just kind of yeah. awkward. Um, the price point on this one is the thing that I think getting a little, a little bit of pushback. The, the, it's price point. Let's see, six forty nine is what they say it's going to come out at, and I think a lot of people are pushing back and saying, you know what, in the pistol carbine world, there's a lot of better options for six hundred fifty bucks. Um, maybe, maybe not. You know, I, I not having any firsthand experience yet with this new PC carbine from Ruger, and being able to evaluate as far as feel and and quality and so forth, I I think that's a little bit tough to say right now because uh, there are a lot of there, there have been a lot of strides and, and progress made in recent months or years uh, in the PCC world, especially on the competitive side. And you see a lot of AR platform rifles that are actually pistol caliber carbines. 
And, you know, that those have become very popular, especially in the last year or two or three. This, I think, is is going right, you know, it's kind of aiming for that same type of market, that same type of buyer. Uh, maybe not so much competition, but it's it's right up that same alley. And it is kind of in that price point for a lot of those other pistol caliber carbines out there that are typically built around the AR platform. And actually, you can spend a lot of money really easy on, on a PCC uh, AR rifle. Um, but what's interesting here, I think, is, I mean, it is price-wise, it is probably above some other competitors like your Keltec uh, Sub 2000 and, and others in yeah. that. In that. Yeah. So I think it's kind of in the middle. Um, that's probably not a, a bad place to be, but people would definitely be a little bit, dis- you know, I, I know there's going to be a lot of people that want one of these and it's not, you know, anything sub 500 is like that sweet spot for gun buyers, right? Uh, this one's a little bit more than that. Street price might be a little bit lower though than the recommended MSRP of 649. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what it actually ends up at retail. That That's totally fair. But I mean, you 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 have a Keltec sub 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a fun shoot. And, you know, it, like, as you mentioned, it's a cheaper option. Yeah, but not by much, right? Really, when you think about it. Um, so this interesting thing here too is that this will use all Ruger SR and their new, new, newly released Security Nine magazines, and then also you can get some sort of adapter where it'll allow you to use the new Ruger American Pistol magazines with this. So that's pretty cool, and and that's why I think these types of uh, carbines are very popular amongst some gun owners because they like the idea of a of a carbine or a rifle that uses the same ammunition and same magazines as their uh, pistol that they're carrying. And that's a pretty cool idea and pretty cool concept. I, I, I like that same approach too, by the way, that's why I had that Caltech sub 2000. It uses a Glock magazine. So it pairs very nicely with my Glock pistols. Yeah. And I think, I think that this new, uh, this new one is going to come with the Glock adapter, by the way, you said you can get one. I think it comes with the adapter for the Glock mags. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. Okay, that actually pumps me up big time. So we got a carbine rifle that would use, I, I don't know how I missed that in the press release. I was focused on all of the different Ruger mags that it would be compatible with. And sure enough, right there in the middle, Glock magazine adapter. Very cool. That, that'll that excite a lot of people, including myself. So, all righty. We'll move on now to a story about Denver uh, City Council. Next week, we'll begin consideration uh, to ban bump fire stocks. And this is on the truthaboutguns.com website. And what's interesting here is <laughs> they actually kind of already sort of have a law that sort of prohibits this, I guess. I mean, here's the thing. In Denver, there is a uh, kind of a – I call it a pseudo-assault rifle ban, Jacob. But, I mean, because I'm not – I know there's some ways around this, uh, but the one thing for sure that Denver has is a mag capacity limit law of no greater than 20 rounds, but now that's superseded by the state law that, you know, is no more than 15 round magazines. Uh, But yes, you need to be careful with AR style rifles in the city and county of Denver, right? So there's that piece, but really this next week though, they are looking at uh, passing a ordinance, a city ordinance that would ban the selling, carrying, storing, or possessing of a bump stock device within Denver city limits. Yeah. Yippee. I was just going to say, you know, anytime I see possessing, that's always a little bit scary because what that essentially means is that today, if you own one and you are, maybe you live in Denver and you own, in this case, a bump stock, 
then when this law is passed, you're a criminal. There's no opportunity for you to turn it in. There's no opportunity for you to keep it because you already had it. It's just the immediate possession when this law goes into effect would make you a criminal. And I always call I just think that's always bull crap. I, you know, I think there's, there should always be some sort of provision that allows the people who previously were not a criminal are now not all of a sudden criminals just because some law has gone into effect. So anyway, that, that's my first little beef here. Yeah. 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 So it's funny because it's an inert piece of plastic that is becomes banned, you know, or outlawed because uh, apparently that little piece of plastic will jump up right off the table and shoot you multiple times or whatever. <laughs> yeah, anyway, you know, I alluded to the uh, pseudo. Oh, go know, ahead. We've talked a couple of times about you know, our concerns and greatest concerns with these kinds of bans. And, and mostly it's because the, the, the verbiage we've seen written at the national level uh, and, and some of the states has effectively tried to ban anything that accelerates the rate of fire. And we've talked about, you know, just simple, something as simple as a trigger, you know, could be outlawed. This one, on the other hand, says any device for a pistol, rifle, or shotgun that increases the rate of fire achievable with such weapon by using energy from the recoil of the weapon to generate a reciprocating action that facilitates repeated action of the trigger. Activation of the trigger, excuse me. So it, it's far more specific and speaking really just to bump stocks. Yeah. Yeah, I did, you know, just so the no, no one misinterprets what I said uh, just a moment ago, just talking about the pseudo assault weapons ban uh, in Denver, because I know someone will be like, well, what the heck, Riley? Uh, <laughs> you know, basically the way that ordinance is enforced and the way I read it, in Denver, if you ever come across this, is that it's an assault weapon if it has a magazine, a detachable magazine with 21 rounds or more, and not necessarily an assault weapon when it's less than that. And of course, we have that whole other 15 round mag issue uh, as well to contend with. But so, you know, it's just interesting to me because, I mean, they, they sort of already, <laughs> so in theory, assuming laws actually keep criminals from doing heinous acts. Uh, they already have a law in place that would keep someone from committing a, a crime similar to what happened in Las Vegas, I guess is what I was trying to get at in case that was not clear. But anyway, whatever. Good times. I'm sure it'll pass because Denver City Council is pretty anti-gun. Yeah. All righty. Yep. You know, another example of someone just wanting to do something, right? Yep. California, uh, as of January 1st of this year. There's a number of uh, laws that uh, now are in effect. And uh, the, the detail here is that as of J- January 1st of this year, 20, 000, 20, 000, 2018, Prop 63 will take effect or has taken effect now as if we are recording this podcast. And this requires people to pass background checks every time they want to buy ammo. Requires you to uh, all ammo purchases to be made face but to face by a licensed ammunition vendor. No more purchases allowed online unless they're a licensed vendor who must deliver the ammo themselves. Ammo cannot be driven across state lines any longer. Oh, uh, what? Wow. Yeah, that's fun. And if your gun is stolen, you must report it within five days, or you may receive a $1,000 fine and or jail time, depending on circumstances. <laughs> there you go. Merry Christmas, California. Yeah. And a happy new You know, it's, it's, I just, background checks are an amazing thing to me. I, I totally 
understand and and in some ways am empathetic to this idea that if we make everybody go through a background check to get you know dangerous stuff then dangerous people won't get dangerous stuff but but the problem is that that, that is shown over and over and over again not to be the case you know dangerous people they either just go and buy the stuff they just pass the background checks which really would describe the vast majority of our mass murderers that are famous, including, yeah, yeah. anyway, that's just normally the case. Or or they're just going to, you know, have somebody else buy it, or they're going to steal it. Uh, either way, it it just doesn't matter. I mean, what, in what way is us forcing everybody to pass a background check actually stopping anything? It, it doesn't, because people either will go in and try to pass it, and if they pass, great, they got what they want. Or if they fail, then they'll just do something else. They'll find some other way, right? I mean, it's not like it's impossible to get your hands on this stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's not that hard to just have your, your, your parent or your brother or somebody else who already does pass background checks go buy it for you or steal it from that brother. I, I just don't understand. And it's so inhibiting. I mean, it's just, it really puts the damper on the beast. I can't even, you know, I don't even remember the last time I bought ammo in a store. Well, I guess I have bought ammo store recently, but the vast majority of the ammunition I buy, I buy online. Uh, or we buy it directly from a manufacturer. It just ships to us. It just shows up in the mail. It's it, you know when you're buying a ton of ammo, it's far more cost effective to do that. Uh, this is going to change the economics uh, certainly for, in terms of ammo cost for sure because now all the retailers don't have online competitors in that state. But it's also going to change it, really how much people are going to go out and train and shoot and practice because the mass inconvenience associated with having to pass a background check every time I buy ammo. It's crazy. Yep. This is just another way of implementing gun control without necessarily going after the guns themselves. And we see this in European countries. Uh, we've seen this this sort of attempt be made elsewhere, even in the U.S., um, including in, in Chicago and New York City and so forth. Uh, but California managed to actually get this uh, passed and, and affected, and uh, it's... It, it's really just a, such a shame uh, because I think the day will come where uh, if it continues going the way it has, the day will come where you are, you're only able to own or possess so many rounds at your home or personally, and you can buy more than that, but it has to be shot at the you know range where you, where you, where you buy it from. Uh, that's the way it works in a number of European countries. I promise you, that is where these folks would like to go with laws like this, to do everything they possibly can to make it difficult for you to enjoy your Second Amendment. Well, yeah, I, I like this one here. Ammo cannot be driven across state lines any longer, Jacob. Yeah, like that is so enforceable. <laughs> yeah, what, 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 how do you move to California? Yeah. Like I was thinking about this, like I'm, I'm not moving gotta, to California, but let's just say I was moving to California like – how how do I do this legally? Like, how do I move there? Like, I think I'd have to, first off, get rid of all my ammo. I just give it to you. Like, Riley, here's all my ammo. Sorry, I'm moving to California. I can't take it with me. And then when I get there, I think I have to turn over all my guns to a dealer. And then I have to pass background checks again to get them all back. And, and is, am I right in remembering I can only get one back per 30 days? or like The whole thing, like, I just, I, I don't, it's a huge 
detriment. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I, I think the one per every 30, I think is for handguns or something. Um, well, that, that could still take me a considerable yeah. amount of time to get my guns back. Yep. Oh, for sure. Well, and, and some of your handguns wouldn't even be legal because they're not on the approved, True. you know, state list or whatever. So granted, um, so you really way, want me to move to California. You would do really well with uh, all of my guns. I would gladly accept all your ammunition and guns for free. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy all righty next up sto- a story uh, uh as reported on concealed carry.com uh a concealed I love that actually did I, say, I was gonna say a concealed carrier not a concealed carry an open carrier or someone carrying a, a handgun openly uh it was on december 22nd just days before christmas where a thief snatched an open carried, openly carried gun right off a person's hip in a North Carolina Walmart. Ooh, yeah, we don't have a lot of details from this story, um, but I, I appreciate the article that was written here by uh, Josh, who's on our team. He's, he's our managing editor, and he made some really good points because the point is not should you open carry or not. The point is not well, what exactly happened and what kind of holster was he using. And you know, the, the point is if – you're going to open carry, you have a greater need to be diligent in, in a lot of these questions like holster retention, like situational awareness, um, all, all these kinds of things that, that become, they're always important. I mean, we should never let our guards down. We should never have crappy retention, but when you're carrying openly, those things become all that much more important, right? The level at which you need to be diligent increases, because your risk increases. Now, now that doesn't make it bad. It just means that it's it's different, and you have to up your game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you do need to up. Your, uh, you said it's not necessarily just about, or it's not about the holster or gear or whatever. But I think you got to up your game across the board. It's a it's a whole uh, system approach. You know, like you've got to have an upped mental game. You've got to be you got to at least attempt to be a lot more aware of your surroundings, of your environment, people that are interact that you're interacting with, or that are somewhere you know around you or near you. Uh, mindful of of that aspect, and then you got to also have good uh, uh, gear. You know, uh, your holsters got to be a good quality holster, preferably with active retention, whether it's a snap, but preferably something even more than just a snap, uh, you know, a Safari land ALS type holster or something like that would be ideal, uh, that at least deters someone or slows them down for, in trying to, uh, take your gun away from you if it's carried openly. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's, it's all these things. I think you, you, you have to be more responsible if you're going to carry openly and unfortunately, it's been shown numerous times where folks have their gun taken from them when they're carrying openly. Or even sometimes when they're carrying concealed or trying to carry concealed and somehow they print or someone suspects mm-hmm. that they have that gun. It, it's the same at that point, you know, it's the same type of situation. Someone knows about your gun. And maybe you don't necessarily want them to know, but they do anyway. And so now you're a potential target. We've talked about that before and the dangers of that. So just be responsible out there. I do feel that it's a better approach to be carrying concealed and to be careful about how you're carrying concealed. Be mindful of, you know, that it's remaining so and that uh, still be aware of your surroundings, of course. But you really got to up your game Mm -hmm. when you're carrying openly. And this guy learned the lesson the hard way for sure. Yep. 
So anyway, lesson learned for, for all of us and uh, all of you listening, I hope as well. So now we're to that first justified story. This occurred in Brooklyn, New York. And the, the, you know, right from the headline, you, you would read this normally. And if, if I took the name Brooklyn off the title, you, you would be like, oh, okay, yeah, no big deal, right? Sort of thing happens, unfortunately, all the time. But hey, a happy resolution, right? So the story is Brooklyn woman shoots X in neck after he kicked her door in. Okay, so this happened in Brooklyn, New York. A woman shot her ex-boyfriend in the neck on Saturday when he tried to kick his way into her apartment. Now, mind you, the boyfriend, whose name is Marlon Womack, is he has an extensive criminal history. All right, so he's a he's a bad dude. All right, and the woman, fifty-two-year-old Tanya Wooten, she is there in, in her apartment. She had recently moved to Brooklyn from North Carolina, and she brought with her to Brooklyn her forty caliber handgun. Now, on one hand, it's like, well, it's great that she brought her handgun because clearly, you know, maybe she moved to escape this guy because he, she moves and this dude shows up and he is he kicks in her her apartment door where she then shoots her shoots him and defends herself. But this happened in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, Brooklyn requires and, a permit just to have a gun in your home. Yeah. So she is she was taken also into custody and charges are pending as of this past Sunday. That's the latest re, uh update that we have on the story. So here you have a woman who's a victim of a domestic situation, domestic violence potentially or whatever. All, all we know is that she feared for, I, I'm assuming, obviously, I mean, there could be more to it than this, but it appears to, as far as what we can see, you have a man who has an extensive criminal history busting in a door, which is committing a crime and arguably a violent one. He's he's committing, a he's breaking in. He's probably not going in there to, to you know, he's doing, so, he's going to do something bad, right? And, she feels she's got to defend herself. She shoots him. That should be the end of the story. She refused to be a victim, but yet because of where it happened, she may be going to jail as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember if you already said this, Riley, but uh, the ages I think here are interesting. The man, the criminal breaking into the building is a 30-year-old man. The woman defending herself from her ex uh, boyfriend is a 52 year old women woman. Now you know not not to imply anything about 52 year old people, but they generally are probably not as uh, able to defend themselves physically from 30 year olds, uh, <laughs> you know, as as they could have when they were 30. So yeah, in in most states this would have been like a ah oh, good for you, so glad you're still alive, and he's he's still alive too. Great, awesome, like you know put put one down in the books as this one was a success, but now she's going to jail too. Yeah, I, I I think it's crazy. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, but still, as far as what we see, it's a justified story. It's a sure. justified DGU, except that it happened in Brooklyn, New York. That sucks. She likely will not receive much mercy because of you know that the NY or New York City, NYC, and or Brooklyn, which is a uh, still part of that whole jurisdiction. History has shown they are not kind even when it is a well-meaning uh, individual. Final story, justified story. Man shot and killed after trying to break into car with family inside. This one happened in Las Vegas just a few days ago. 
crazy story. Jacob, take it away. Okay, so the headline says, man shot and killed after trying to break into a car with family inside. Now, this one could throw you for a bit of a loop. So let me see if I can break this down for you. Imagine you're with your family, you're in your SUV. Uh, you got two teens and a baby in the car, right? You're driving along down the road and you you see something kind of strange. You see a truck uh, also, also driving along and there's a man hanging on or getting dragged, end quote, by a black truck. And so you're like, oh my gosh, oh no, there's someone getting dragged by that truck. That's not good. So so the family, you know, with the dad in the driver's seat, try to alert the truck, right? They're like, hey, hey, you're dragging somebody, you know, like something like that. And the truck stops. And so the family's like, oh, geez, let's see if they're okay or something, right? And the man who was being dragged or who was hanging on, not entirely clear exactly, is it says, quote, the man with road burn, end quote, he somehow decides to attack the family SUV. So he tries to get into the back uh, of the SUV of the Good Samaritan, of these wonderful people who, as far as I'm concerned, might have just saved his life, right? He was hanging off the back of his truck. Now, the father, who's trying to be the good guy, who's trying to alert the truck driver, who's trying to save this person's life, who's being dragged along, he starts to hit the man on the head, asking him to get out. You know, get out. Hey, get out, get out. You know, he's trying to hit him. And he unsuccessfully... Uh, moves this man. He can't. He can't get him out of the SUV. So then he fires quote shots at the man, and the man was rushed to the hospital where he later died. Yeah, maybe between the rug, you know, the the, the what what was the word he used a road burn and the gunshots. Apparently, he couldn't he couldn't survive that. So how intense? And and think about this. You know, you and I just re- recorded a, a course, and hopefully to be ready here very very soon. Uh, but it's all about you know self defense in in and around vehicles. And this is a horrible, worst case scenario. I mean, I can't think of something worse than this where I'm trying to decide, wait, do I pull off and take this bad guy with me? Uh, Do I shoot? I mean, am I going to fire shots off when I got my kids and a baby in the car and there, who knows what they're thinking or how they're going to react and where those bolts are going to go? This is a horrible situation. Yeah. This is an amazing situation. I mean, yes, horrible. But incredible in that this is just, it's almost like it's from a TV show or a movie, you know, it just is hard to imagine uh, what's going on here or, or this sort of thing even happening to begin with. I mean, it appears that basically we have a man who's trying to gain access to the rear of this vehicle where there are children present. And so he is shot because he continues to try to gain access to, to that vehicle. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, I guess he was being drugged around, you know, <laughs> as part of this whole situation. This is just incredible. Mm-hmm. But that's why we feature these types of stories on the podcast. Hopefully you can take something from this. And if, if anything, at the very least, imagine yourself in this type of situation where you're driving along and suddenly you became you become aware of a person that's hanging on to your vehicle as you're driving. And I mean, how do you how do you deal with that situation? How do you solve that 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 problem? I mean, do you immediately assume that this is a person that's trying to do something bad to you? Uh, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I mean, is it right to assume that they're that they're a bad guy? Uh, perhaps not. But I mean, this situation can change so rapidly. And as this guy tries to gain access to the vehicle where your children are present, wow! Then suddenly things things change. You know. I'm going to go down a totally different path with this one, Jacob, in that I'm going to address the issue of how you carry inside a vehicle. 
a little well, bit because yeah, I mean, one thing that before you, before you go there, I'm just going to add one thing that I was thinking about, and and that is that a lot of modern vehicles they lock the doors for you when you start driving, but when you put the car in park, they unlock all the doors. Yeah. And I was thinking about that because, you know, this is a situation where, you know, you're trying to do the right thing. You stop that car and probably didn't occur to this man for a minute that here in a second, I'm going to be trying to pull someone out of my car back there by my family. Because, I mean, locking the doors would have been a real easy solution. (laughs) That's all it would have taken. Uh, And maybe the doors had been locked. But when you put that car in, I mean, for me, I think both my vehicles, when you put it in park, the doors unlock. And I would have to manually then relock them. That would have to be part of my thinking, right? That, okay, stop the car, but we're not getting out lock. Uh, so anyway, just my two cents there is something that I think throws a big you know, consideration in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go down this, this, this road here. Okay. Stay with me. So often we see people or, or see comments made by individuals that talk about, or we see products marketed about, you know, here's a way that you can carry your gun or store it in your vehicle while you're driving or whatever, right? And so some, sometimes it's a magnet or something, or it's a holster where it's mounted under, underneath the dash or in between the seats or under the seat or something like that, right? And I, trust me, I get it when people are concerned about comfort with carrying a gun while driving or riding around in a vehicle because it is not exactly an ideal situation to be you know, wearing a gun inside your waistband or something when you're sit- seated and driving. But... Is it is there something to be said here with this story as far as where is your gun as it relates to how quickly you can access it because or based on the, on the circumstances of the situation? Here you have a situation. Let's just imagine you got somebody that somehow jumped onto the rear of your vehicle. You pull over because you're like, what the crap? <laughs> and you're immediately probably concerned about how, you know. I don't know how that person got there, but they're obviously there and I don't want them. I don't want to kill them because I, you know, I fling them off my vehicle or they get drugged to death or whatever it is. And so you stop and then you get out. And now maybe we could stop right there and say, maybe you shouldn't get out, but I think most people probably are going to get out because they're concerned about someone that needs help back there and you get out and then you get back there and you find yourself in an altercation where perhaps deadly force needs to be used. And wait, oh, because I left my gun mounted to a magnet underneath my dash or underneath my seat, I don't have it right there available to me immediately, Mm -hmm. right? And so I'm always an advocate about on-body, on-person carry and have it there with you all the time because that's where it is best suited to be ready for use in just about any situation. And this is, I just, I, I read this story and I was like, oh, this is crazy. But here's one thing that I take from that. And that is have the gun on you because you don't know what you're going to be faced with. And in, in the heat of the moment, you might not think initially, nor, nor it may not be appropriate for you either to grab that gun as you're getting out of the vehicle. Right? Immediately, that is. Yep. And so now you got to go back to the front of the vehicle to retrieve that gun and then, you know, by that point, maybe your kids in the back of the vehicle are already being assaulted or whatever it is. So, crazy story. And I don't even know if we'll learn the whys to this situation because obviously the guy that was hanging onto the outfit trying to break into it, he's, he's dead now. 
but a, a crazy situation and a, just a reminder to be alert, uh, mindful, be, be prepared, carry that gun on your person, you know, and, and run these scenarios through your mind and just imagine how you would solve it within the context, of course, of lawful uh, use of deadly force and or concealed or, or carry of a firearm. Wow. Anything else you want to add, Jacob? <laughs> nope. Um, I guess that, uh, you know, that's a great promotion for our upcoming car course that we'll be releasing later this month. So, um, yeah, this stuff is scary. You know, keep those doors locked and, and be mindful of your surroundings and have the gun on you all the time. Totally. Today's episode is brought to you by Guardian Nation, guardiannation.com. We appreciate your support of and for being members of the nation. And also check out Glock E Trainer, GlockETrainer.com. Awesome product there for dry practice. So we are going to wrap it up here. We welcome you all to the new year, 2018. We hope that you all have a happy new year, a safe new year, and a, a year where you really take those steps necessary to make sure you're fully prepared, at least to the best of your ability, uh, whether that be with firearm training, physical training, mental preparation, whatever it is, make it a goal and make sure you follow through with it. And so with that, we wish you all the best, but we also hope that you will train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everyone. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.